Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hi there, and welcome to episode 14 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Friendly But Not Friends a.k.a. appropriate leader relationships. So how do you as a leader set the right boundaries on your work relationships? How do you strike the balance between maintaining professional distance while establishing a trust-based, caring relationship with your people? We're going to start by looking at what type of relationship you're trying to create. 
And I'll give you some examples of this. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this because I think it's really important to understand what the object of the exercise is. We'll then talk briefly about the power dynamics that you wield as a leader. And this topic couldn't be complete without delving into romantic relationships in the workplace. So let's get into it. So what does an appropriate leader relationship look like? Well, first of all, it's got to be one that enables you to remain focused on the object of the exercise. So you're paid by an organisation to create value. But you also have a duty of care to your people. And this means all the people in your charge, not just the ones you like or the ones you identify with. Now, you won't get on or identify equally with everyone in your team. It's just impossible. But if you let personal friendships develop without that professional distance, the rest of your people are going to see you playing favourites. And as a leader, this can be problematic enough. As Jeffrey J. Fox says in his excellent book, How to Become a Great Boss, you need to spend 90% of your time with your best people. And even though this is totally appropriate, it can look like favouritism to those who aren't in the high-performing group. The last thing you need is to give weaker performers, and every organisation has these, a legitimate excuse for their inevitable claims of leader favouritism. So you need to exercise really good judgement without fear or favour. And as a leader, that's your job. Developing friendships with your people inhibits your ability to do this and to maintain the respect before popularity mantra that I hope by now all of you are trying to live by. The bottom line is, you want to be friendly, but not friends. Now the vast majority of us are driven by the human need for affiliation. But for a leader this can become quite dangerous as it can morph into the need to be liked by everyone. It can push a leader over that line from being friendly to wanting to develop deep friendships. But if you're trying to lead friends, everything becomes just that little bit harder. For a start, both of you will unconsciously make concessions for each other due to the nature of the friendship. When you're leading a friend, you'll be more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt in any issue that arises. As a follower a friend will be more likely to take liberties with you as their leader. And ultimately it just really clouds your judgement. So for example, appointments that aren't warranted or justified by your friend's experience, capability or track record are often given just because of the fact that the friendship exists. But in contrast to this, let's talk about what it means to be friendly as a leader. Well, first of all, you take a genuine and appropriate interest in what's going on in your people's lives. So for example... You know the names of their spouses and children, which is especially important for your direct reports and any high potential leaders. You know where the spouse works, you know where the children go to school. You know what their hobbies and interests are, you know how they spend their weekends. You understand what their dream job and ultimate career goals are. You know what things they value most. You know what their preference for working arrangements is, so for example, whether they like to start early and finish early or start late and work late, etc., And you know what days they do the kids run. This way you can identify a problem outside of work when you see a change in patterns or behaviours that can affect work performance. And you're in a position to have that conversation with them. But remember, you've got to be prepared to share a joke. You've got to appropriately engage in non-work discussions, so things like news and current affairs of the day, sporting results and so forth. But importantly, you always have time to listen to them. Once again appropriately. You don't want them sucking up all your time on non-work related matters. It's 
Staying in the space of being friendly enables you to show care and concern for your people, for you to be open and transparent, and to really get the team firing on all cylinders. But once you cross the line from friendly to being friends, the work of leadership becomes exponentially harder. It's difficult enough to make a decision that affects someone's life, regardless of how sensible or necessary that decision may be. You don't want to increase your chances of avoidance, and you don't want to make it harder for you or for the individual involved. And if you become friends with people and have deeper relationships, that's exactly where you end up. But if you manage to draw the line at friendly, it can never drift into any of the more insidious behaviours that might give rise to favouritism, discrimination, and even as far as sexual harassment. And the higher up you go, the more this can come into play. So let's tackle a few common examples just to demonstrate what friendly but not friends actually looks like. So things like Christmas parties and social functions are a classic. Alcohol, and in some industries, recreational drugs, are consumed at work functions. Now, you can't see me, but I just put the double quote mark around work functions. Now, if you'll pardon the pun, these can be a hotbed for sexual harassment claims. And prior to any of these social-style work functions, you have to make it clear to your people that they're still governed by the rules of the organisation. So, for example, the code of conduct still applies, as do the organisational values such as they are. As a leader, your trick is to enjoy yourself, but not too much. So always stay in control. Great rule of thumb I have, don't be the last to leave. Now, if you already have appropriate relationships in place, your people are unlikely to let their guard down completely in this type of environment. So if you leave early, you then let your staff have the chance to relax. And that's good for everyone. Hey guys, Em here. I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to plug the free masterclass we've just released, The Leadership Level Up. I know you're probably thinking about winding down for the year, but a better idea is to wind up while everyone else is sitting back and slacking off. Marty and I have put together five bite-sized video lessons for you, with accompanying resources of course, to help you level up your leadership skills quickly and effectively. These implementable strategies are guaranteed to boost your leadership capability immediately if you take action. So what are you waiting for? Head to courses.yourceomentor.com, take 20 minutes to go through these five lessons and take notes on the tips that apply to you. It'll get you one step closer to being a no-bullshit leader. All right, back to the episode. For the last many years, my Christmas party tactic has always been to drop in for a couple of hours early on, have a few drinks, chat to the bulk of the people, and particularly people I haven't had a chance to get to much during the year, and then to leave. Uh, With my favourite parting words, of course, to the senior people who were left there, don't do anything that HR can't fix on Monday. But if you're in doubt about the way you can behave at these types of functions, just try this little test. Think to yourself, would this be okay if I did it in the office at 10am on Monday morning? Now, there's a range of other situations you have to think through and how you're going to handle them. So, for example, just the simple fact that sometimes you have to travel for work with colleagues. There are team-building events, so off-site meetings. There are social get-togethers. And this can be particularly difficult if you work in a more remote location or a small town where the boundaries between leaders and their teams are blurred. So if you must go to a Sunday afternoon barbecue at someone's place, the rules still apply. Familiarity breeds contempt. And as the mystique of you as a person has broken down, so is, at least to some extent, the level of respect and awe in which you're held. 
So being transparent and open are incredibly important as attributes of a great leader. But that doesn't mean your people should know all about your private business, nor should you be airing your dirty laundry with them. Trust me, your people don't need to hear about your messy divorce, or how your husband doesn't satisfy you anymore, or how you wish you had your time over. Now having said all of that, connecting with your people outside of the office environment is actually quite important for the relationship but it's the frequency with which you do this that makes a difference. So it's a really good idea to occasionally take one of your good people out to lunch or for coffee or something just so that you can have a discussion in a less formal environment. I find that meetings in cafes are crucial to ensure you can both let your guards down and adopt a more informal tone. And I find it particularly useful if there's an issue that I've been talking about in the office environment with one of my leaders and I can't seem to get through to them. Going to a more informal setting can have a sense of, look, this is a little bit off the record, I'm in your corner and I need you to hear these messages. And sometimes it's really good if you need to amp up the directness of what you've been telling one of your people. Now, a little while ago, when things got quite desperate with one of my direct reports and it was clear he simply wasn't listening to all the guidance and advice and feedback that I'd been giving him, one Friday morning I said to him, cancel your afternoon meetings, we're going for a steak and a beer, I need to have a talk to you. Now, when we had that meeting off-site, he didn't hear anything that he hadn't heard before. But I was able to effectively use the change of scenery to lean in across the table and say, mate, this is getting really serious now. How are you going to deal with this and move forward? Now, as I said before, frequency matters here. So if this is something you do occasionally for impact, it's a fantastic thing to do. But if you're doing this three or four times a week, it sets up a different dynamic and it becomes the rule rather than the exception, and sets the relationship on a completely different footing. So just think about using this sparingly. I hope that's given you a pretty good idea of what that distinction is between being friendly but not friends with your people. But just before we move on, I just want to give you a quick reminder about the power dynamic. And it's probably worth going back and listening to episode 5 of this podcast series about the use of power and how a leader can use power wisely. If you wield power appropriately, though, it can be extremely positive as an attribute. And ironically, this will make you more attractive to many of the people around you. So the first thing you need to recognise is this power dynamic and don't get carried away with yourself. Before I started my first CEO role, a mentor of mine said to me, just remember all your jokes are now going to be a little bit funnier. And he was right. The higher up you go, the more this can come into play. So be aware of those who want to ingratiate themselves with you for whatever reason. We'll talk more about the power dynamic in just a minute. Now, as I said earlier, I can't really treat this subject without talking about romantic relationships in the workplace. And this is a really tough one. Having seen others deal with this over the years and the ramifications for them, Personally, I like to err on the side of caution, and I've come to the view over the years that you simply should not have a romantic relationship in the workplace. Now, I know this is going to be a little bit controversial, and I know some of you out there are currently in a relationship in your workplace, or you have been in the past. And before the end of the podcast, I'm going to give you people just a little bit of guidance about how you can handle that so that it doesn't come back on you and bite you. But I want to be really clear here. The view that I've come to is in no way a moralistic or value judgment style of view. It's simply the practical wisdom 
have seen the damage that can be done to people's careers through ill-advised workplace romances. Tony Soprano famously once said, I never shit where I eat. In other words, don't mix your pleasure with your business. Now, when I was younger, I certainly didn't understand the ramifications. But for the last 20-odd years, I've become increasingly convinced that as a leader, it's a pretty risky move to have a romantic relationship at work. Now, I was fortunate enough to learn this by observing others rather than stepping on these landmines myself. But we see so many people fall foul of this, and there have been a lot of really high-profile cases just in Australia over the last year or two. So, for example, Tim Warner, Chief Executive of Channel 7 in Australia, was dragged through a trial by media for a year after having an affair with an executive assistant. Fortunately for Tim, he must be outstanding at his job because the company backed him all the way, despite what could only be described as a savaging in the financial press. And this was admitted by both parties as a consensual relationship, which went south when the relationship soured. So as they say, it's all fun and games until someone puts an eye out, right? John Neal, CEO of QBE, had his bonus docked by the board to the tune of half a million dollars because he didn't declare a romantic relationship with his assistant in a timely enough manner. Now, I don't feel too sorry for John because he still pulled in over $3 million that year. And here's an interesting one. Gil McLaughlin, the chief executive of the Australian Football League, sacked two staff members for having what were considered to be inappropriate relationships. And apparently they defined inappropriate as the affairs were extramarital for the individuals involved, so the company actually applied a moral value judgment there. The romantic interests were with other employees of the AFL, and these people were also more junior than they were. Now, this is getting a little bit crazy, so you can see why we might be best to follow my advice to err on the side of caution. Organisations increasingly seek to intrude in the personal decisions that you make, and so you have to be really careful how this can affect your career as a leader. But it's always going to be tempting to start a romantic relationship because you spend so much time in such close proximity with your workmates, peers and boss. The implications, though, of having a romantic relationship in your workplace are many. So remember, first of all, there's quite often a power imbalance. If you date someone more junior than yourself, regardless of whether they report into you or not, it raises questions. So the first big question is the question of consent. But more to the point, it erodes your credibility for every decision you make that has any bearing whatsoever on the individual whom you're in the relationship with. Once it's known around the office, and this is generally a long time before you think it is known, you will be viewed differently in how you treat that individual, even if you're playing with a really straight bat. Remember that as a leader, you set the tone, the pace and the standard for your people. For those of you who are listening and you're already in this position, and I know there will definitely be a few of you based on the available statistics on workplace romances, here's a little bit of advice. First of all, I know some couples who met at work who are incredibly happy and they've managed to sustain the relationships without stepping on any of those landmines we spoke about earlier. But for every one of those, I can trot out 10 horror stories of the damage that was done both to the leader and to the object of their desire. So if you find yourself in this situation, here's two really important things that I think you need to do. The first one is to talk it through with your boss and put in place some mechanisms to ensure that you don't inadvertently play favourites with your other half 
when it comes to making decisions for the organisation. And this simply means that you need to have someone else helping you to make sure that you don't let your biases creep in. The second thing is, you need to be really honest about when a situation is unrecoverable in the workplace. And I don't mean the relationship being unrecoverable, I mean whether your credibility as a leader can't be recovered. And so if this happens, then you have to think about the possibility of at least one of you finding a new role in a different organisation or different part of a large organisation that doesn't impinge on your leadership credibility. But when it boils down to it, there are over 6 billion people in the world. Do you really want to risk damaging your credibility, respect and ultimately your career because you want to date one of the few dozen people that you're in close contact with at work? All right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 14. To pick up the free downloadable, The Do's and Don'ts of Appropriate Leader Relationships, go to www.yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 14. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So if you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app and give it a rating so that we can reach even more leaders. I look forward to next week's episode entitled Stranded by Your Boss. What happens when you aren't given the support you need? Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. Listener.